0: That are battling some flu-like symptoms. If you haven't battled it, you may have in the past battled it. It's a it's a nasty thing. Well, we just take authority over that flu right now in Jesus' name and say it has no it has uh, it has no power. In Jesus name, in Jesus name. So I know we have a lot of people out. We pray for um, for all those that aren't feeling well and that uh, um, are out traveling and going to be coming back in. Amen. So God is good this morning. You are here at a good time. We are so excited to have uh, Taylor Wilson and Tia's in the house and Eden. They're the the most precious little angel. That oh my gosh, she is she's beautiful. I told them she's so beautiful. They need six more. How many of you agree with Matt? Say Amen. amen at least six. Why not? Seven is a good number. Six plus one. (laughs) Um, And so we are excited this morning to welcome Taylor. Taylor and T are in Utah. They um, are doing a mighty work in their local church that they're doing. And I know that he has... Uh, a, an anointed word Can we just agree with that this morning God has given him a word He's given you a word for right now For this place, for this house For this person and that person And that person and that person And so our hearts are receptive this morning So put your hands together Let's welcome Taylor this morning Taylor Wilson Oh you brought toys He, he brought toys, it's going to be good gets bored, <laughs>
1: Yeah. All right, anybody gets bored Yeah Alright, Justin, would you mind grabbing me that table Um I am so excited to be here. How are we doing? Are we good? Come on. Excited to be here. I did bring some Legos, um, so we'll get to that in just a minute. But uh, Happy Late New Year. Anybody have a good Christmas? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we, this was our second Christmas with Eden. The first Christmas she was like four months old, so she had no idea what was going on. At least this time she knew that she could take everything out of the bags. She loved the, just the tissue, everything that was inside of it, but it's like when all the tissue paper got out of it, she was just totally done with it. Uh, she's like, okay, on to the next one. And uh but she loves books now it's awesome and we got um I don't and I know this sounds bad but like everybody else can buy her toys I'm not buying my kid toys she's got to know uh, my mom was like what should we get her to go in her stocking I was like plastic bottles she loves them <laughs> Um, drink a water bottle, put it in the stocking, she'll be fine. Uh, but we actually did get her this thing and it's, um, like this jungle gym type deal and it's, it's cool. It's got like a rock wall on one side and a slide and a, I don't know, all kinds of neat stuff. But, um, we got the boxes in and how many of you know if you have kids or you were a kid that you, you would get a present like that and it, and it's something that's really big, but it comes in this really small box. And you get so excited as a kid when you open it up because it's got the, whether it's like a Barbie dream house or whatever, right? Not that that's what I hope for, but <laughs> maybe somebody in here wanted a Barbie dream house and you unwrapped it and you saw it and you started freaking out, right? Oh my God, Barbie dream house. And in the bottom right corner in very small parentheses, it says something. Uh-huh. Assembly required. And I, you know, as the, as the dad, as the father now, that mantle falls upon my shoulders, whether I want to put it together or not. And so it was the night before Christmas and we have these, and the whole house was quiet except for me. Um, but we had these two giant boxes and it was this thing that this jungle gym type deal thing that we had to put to, well, I had to put together. And so I started having to put all that stuff together and, I just, and it just made me think of some of the things that I've had to assemble throughout the years. Whenever we lived in LA, we stayed in a, uh, well, it was a nonprofit that was a hospital. And so our apartment was an old hospital room. And I don't know if people died in there. I didn't ask, but, um, it's kind of creepy. I'm sure they did. But anyways, hospitals don't have closets. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if that's just because you're not supposed to stay there that long or what. But we didn't have a closet. And whenever I was single, I would just, I had this little ombreire thing in my little apartment before we had gotten married. And I hung up everything. I hung up everything. T shirts all the way to underwear. It was all there. Because I hated folding stuff. Anybody in here suck at folding? You just, I don't know. Tia could just like pick it up out of the dryer, throw it on the bed, and it's folded. I could fold 30 shirts and they all come out different. I just, I, it is what it is. And so I would just hang up everything. And so, but whenever we got married, we didn't have a closet. And if we did get anything, guess whose clothes are not going in it? Yeah. So I had to learn how to fold. And so we didn't have, think, we didn't have a, um, a dresser. And so we had to go to this place called IKEA. Have you, any of y'all gone to this godforsaken place? I'm telling y'all, this is not, this is not like going to Home Depot. It is something like, I, it, is, it is not of God uh it's, 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 Ginger's like, it's Disney World. And I'm like, it's demonic. Um, but so the way that it goes is that you don't just go to Ikea to pick up something and leave. It's like a whole expedition that you embark on. Like you bring snacks and then you eat meatballs when you get there. It's anyways... And so I'm becoming enlightened and we're in Burbank and we're going through Ikea and there's a place where you can actually customize your own, uh, it sounds a lot fancier than what it is, but you can customize your own dresser, like your own, like whatever, or your own uh, wardrobe thing, right? And so we go in there and we're like, well, we want this and we want that, we want this many drawers, da, da, da. And so I'm like, okay, this is great. You're out a couple hundred bucks and they give you this ticket, And so they give you this tape and I was like, what's this for? Like, is this my receipt? I hadn't paid. They said, no, you're going to go, and you're going to pick up all the pieces to go to your wardrobe. And I was like, so when do you guys do anything? (laughs) This is like, they saw self-checkout, and we'll say, watch this. Uh, We're going to do a little bit more. And so they give me this paper, and you go through, and you have to... Find all the numbers, and you got to pick all your pieces up, and so we get all the pieces. we put them in the car, I get them home. Tia goes off, and this is a three man assembly that I said I can do it myself, right? Okay, I'm the only one in here that thought that, but um and so we go I go to start putting it together, and i I get all the way to the point, and I'm like trying to find where the English directions are. I don't know, it's like German and then Spanish, and I was like, man, I'd have better luck if somebody just spoke in tongues and just told me, and maybe I could interpret that (laughs) well, I'm struggling so bad. And I was like, I know I'm not that dumb, like I gotta get this thing together anyways. But there was some assembly required, even whenever I got home and I looked at the box, I had the picture and I had the pieces, but if somebody was to ask me what the pieces were, I'd say, this is a wardrobe, but it had the picture and it had the title, but it didn't have the function. Because for it to have the function, there was some assembly required, right? And, uh, I want to let you know that God has given you a new identity. He's given you a, he, He's, He's, He's given you a new title. He's given you a new identity. Just like this says, right? This is like a dump truck. It's got the picture, but if I was to pour it out, it's not put together. It doesn't have the function because I have to, there's some pieces that need to get put together. And so I, I I want everything that God has for you. I want everything that God has for me. And I don't want to be one of those people that's like, I'm a new creation and yet I'm rude to everybody. Or I'm a new creation and yet I just don't love anybody. Or I'm not generous or I don't have the fruits. I don't want to just sit here and say, Well, God made me a new tree but bear no fruit. And so for me not to just have a title, but for me to have the function, there are some things that have to take place. And Jesus gives us these directions. But I want to, I want to show you where it says God's given you a new identity. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're going to camp out here and we're going to camp out in Matthew. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, this is a very, very well-known scripture. So I want you to act like you've never heard it before. Okay. Like the men in black pen, just, okay, you don't even remember. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what does it mean to be a new creation? I love this. If anyone is in Christ. So what does it mean to be in Christ? It's a preposition. It means it's referring to a location. So if I am in Christ, what does that mean? If I'm in him, it means I've given my life to him. I've embraced the gospel. I am positioned in Christ. So if I'm positioned in Christ, if I've embraced the gospel, I am now a new creation. So I did nothing. All I did was believe. So hear me out. We're going to get into this, and I want you to know there's nothing that you can do or not do to take away from your identity and being a new creation if you have, have faith in the gospel. I'm not debating your identity. What I'm saying is, is if you want to have the function of a new identity, there are some things that need to take place. And I would just believe that this year would be your year that you would step into not just an identity, but into the function. I would believe that even as there's transition taking place, that you guys have reached so broad. But if you're going to reach deep into this community, you're not just going to carry an identity, you're going to carry a function. Because your identity is not going to change men, and it's going to be your function. So it's not going to be you going around, well, I'm a churchgoer and I'm a new creation and I'm a this and I'm a that. Nobody cares what they what you say that you are. How do you function? Has the assembly taken place? If What if I told my wife, hey, I listen, I got all this stuff for you to hang your clothes on. It's all right here. Hey, baby. She wants to come up. She would be kind of upset. And so many of us are walking around saying, yeah, I'm a new creation. But there's been no assembly. So what does it mean to to be in Christ? To acknowledge Jesus as Savior and as Lord. To have a relationship with Him and to be positioned in Him. To know Him. This is the whole reason why the Gospel is here. This is the whole reason why Jesus was sent. Jesus didn't come and die for your sin so that you could be a good person, have a good reputation and be scared of hell your whole life. But He came not to just give you a new identity or come to give you a new title, but a new tendency, a new nature to make you new in all of your ways, not just in what you would proclaim to be. So I, it's not just to be a good person, or man, what a weird life it would be to sit here and to proclaim Jesus, but then do things and not do things simply because you want to stay out of hell. That's not the motivation we are to have. It can't be fear of hell. It has to be fear of God, and a reverence, and then also just a love because of what He's done for us. So when we receive the gospel, we're in Him. That's what you do to be positioned in Him. There's nothing that you did or whatever. It's just I believe by grace through faith. Okay. So in a new cre- a new creation, it's original definition. So when you look it up in the Greek or whatever, I'm not a word nerd, but this is I, I love this. It means a new kind. So when, you, when it says that whenever you believe in the gospel, this is what it says you become a new creation it says you're a new kind, you're unprecedented, you're unheard of and you're uncommon. Some of y'all are uncommon and' got nothing to do with Jesus. Quit blaming Jesus for you being so weird. Jesus didn't do that so, Acceptance is first part number one, right? But listen to that. When you this is just by faith, you become a new kind. You're unprecedented, you're unheard of, you're uncommon. You're not just some run-of-the-mill person. You're a new creation. So if we were to go ahead and knowing what we know now, when we read this verse and we put this in there, if anyone has received and embraced the gospel of Christ, You're a new kind, an unprecedented type, an uncommon type, a type that's never been heard of. And the old things, which means the things of your past life, the things that you've repented of, the things that you've asked for forgiveness, they have rendered void. When you begin to look that up, it says it's been rendered void. They've been passed away. How many of y'all ever had a check bounce? Okay, we have some honest ones in here. That's alright, the rest of you just blessed. The rest of us, we, we've been there, okay? But what does that mean? That means a check was signed, and it was given, but there is nothing in the account. And so the enemy and yourself can go ahead and write checks from your past, but whenever it comes to the bank of God, it renders void because there's nothing in the account. And so if something comes up and it begins to tell you, well, do you remember this and do you remember that? You can say, there's nothing in that account. Because I've believed, I've embraced the gospel, I'm a new creation, and all the things that you're trying to bring up is gone from my account. That is rendered void. Scripture says, look, all things. All things. Again, I'm not a word nerd, but I want you to know, do you know what the Greek word for all is? All. All things. Every single thing has become new. So no matter what your eyes would tell you, no matter what your neighbor would tell you, or your family member would tell you, or what you would even think about yourself, if God said it, let it be true. You can say, well, you just don't know. I know that God's word is more powerful than whatever your tendency is. I know that it's more powerful than what your recollection is. But you have got to make, you have got to make the decision of what you're going to believe. Am I going to believe whatever my mind would tell me or whatever my flesh would tell me or whatever the devil would tell me? Or am I going to believe that the word that is sharper than any two-edged sword is true? And over my life, he says that all things have been passed, all the old things have passed away. And behold, he's made all things new. So I'm either I'm new or I'm not. And so now, how do we go from just having a title and having an identity to having the function? That's a great question. How do I get all of these pieces of my life to serve the purpose? How do I go from just having a title to having a function? Because Jesus, again, did not just die to give me a title and a new identity and something for me to put on my prayer wall. He gave me something that I could walk out. And I truly believe that And then in this transition that you guys are going, you've reached so broad and you've reached so far, but even as things are going on in the transition that you guys are going to reach deep. I'm telling you, you have never reached Minden like what you're about to reach. You'll still sow and you'll still touch all the corners of the earth, but I'm telling you there's going to be roots that come in Minden that are going to bring forth fruit like you've never seen. I believe that Minden is going to get a whole new revelation of the power of the local church. They don't know how powerful and how important it is. But it's going to be up to you not just having an identity and not just being able to quote whatever the Bible says that you are, but actually walking it out that's going to bring that forth. How many of you know it says that whenever you are in Christ, I can do all things in Christ, I can do all things. All of these promises are attached to your position. They're not attached to whatever you would read. They're not attached to whatever you would journal. They're attached to your position. And so when you position yourself in Him and you abide in His Word and you begin to bear His fruit, you'll begin to see the change in where you are. You'll see it in your house. You'll see it in your friends. You'll see it in your family. But Jesus tells us how we're going to... To see the change. How we're going to have the function. He shows this in Matthew 16. Again, very common scripture, but I want you to read it like you've never read it before. Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25. Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25. Jesus says this, And then Jesus said unto His disciples, If any man would come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. I don't want to just say I'm a new creation. I want to have the fun. Anybody ever gotten frustrated because you're like, man, I shouldn't be doing this right now. I've no, I, Jesus has been too good for me to act like I've been acting. Everybody's been there. And so when these things happen, what do I do? I have to make the decision. Okay, this is what Jesus gives us to be able to walk out that new function, to be able to walk out in our n- new identity. He says, Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, and whoever shall save his life will lose it, and whoever shall lose his life for my sake will find it. So he gives us three of the most basic instructions ever. Number one, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to deny yourself. What does that mean? Because I want to bring some clarity, because sometimes when this gets preached, it makes it sound like you've got to be down, depressed, and poor, and just done away with and stuck in a hole. That's not it at all. So I want to help... Bring some clarity to people that have been hurt by that message. Because if you're hurt by this message, you'll deny this message and you'll miss out on the function that God has for you. So deny means in this sense to disown, separate, and refuse companionship with. Disown, separate, and refuse companionship with. This is the same word that it used whenever Peter denies Jesus. Peter is by the fire. They said, hey, you know him. And he goes, nope. And he denied Christ. In the same way, he's like, nah, I don't know him. I don't have any allegiance to him. I don't have any companionship with him. This is what you are to do with yourself. Denying yourself of selfishness, your self will, your self sufficiency, your flesh. Or, in other words, I, let me put it to you this way you don't get to hold on to your agenda. You don't get to hold on to your offense. You don't get to hold on to your unforgiveness and your bitterness or your pride or let me come after this little God right here, your convenience. You get to deny and refuse companionship with all of those things. Even my plans. Peter had plans for Jesus. I'm going to tell you, this is not, this is something that I read the other day and it just and, it's, and it shook me. But even Peter had plans for Jesus. Jesus goes to tell Peter his plans of going to the cross. And he says, be far from thee, Lord. Let, don't do it. Don't do it. And Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. Your mind is on the plans of man and not on the plans of God. So when Peter tries to persuade or use Jesus for his plan, he gets called Satan. Peter's not the only one that does that. How many times have I said, Lord, this is what I'm wanting to do and I want you to bless it. As if I'm just, hey, I know I'm good. You just go ahead and bless it, Lord. Like I'm here for some type of transactional relationship. Rather than remembering that he is God and that I am not. My dreams have to be surrendered. It doesn't mean that you can't have a dream and you can't have an agenda and you can't have a plan. If you don't have a plan, I suggest you get one. Or get a wife, she'll have one. Amen. Tell the truth, shame the devil. But my dreams have to be surrendered. It doesn't mean that I can't have them, but they are not what I serve. Even the God-given dreams, even the plan that you think God would have for you, it is to be surrendered because whatever you don't surrender today, it will be your master tomorrow. It may seem really good today, but if it doesn't get surrendered, and I don't care if it's ministry or a business or this or that or whatever the case may be, if it is not surrendered, it will begin to lead you. Whatever you don't surrender today will be your master tomorrow. And you can tell when somebody... I see it all the time, man. You can tell when somebody serves a dream or a ministry more than they do Jesus. Because you will value influence more than you value intimacy. And influence for God is much easier to gain than intimacy. I can come up here and I can tell great stories and I could come in and I could sweat and I could do all this kind of stuff and it could all be biblically accurate. It could be no heresy in it at all. And I could build all of this influence and you could put clips of me here and clips of me there and da 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 All that good stuff and yet I could still miss it. People could be blessed by my ministry. I could be anointed. I could, I, I'm telling you, because we value in the church way more gifts than we do fruit. And what I'm saying is, is that it's way easier to get used in, in gifts that are irrevocable, that are given without repentance than fruit that is given by only being with the Spirit of God. And I just, I don't want it. I don't want to work in another gift again if fruit's not being bared in my life. Because whenever I start working in gifts and I don't have fruit, I've stepped over into something totally demonic. And it's misleading. And you know what? My family will be the first one to know it. There's an algorithm to influence. But the only way to intimacy is death and denying yourself. I will never love my wife well if I do not enter into selflessness. You wonder why marriages are falling apart everywhere? It's because we've been told you can have it all. You can have it all. You can serve yourself and still have... No, you can't. Marriage is just a way for you to die to yourself. And I know that sounds really great for those that are looking to be married. But this is supposed to be a foretelling of us being with That's right. our groom. Absolutely, absolutely. And if I'm supposed to love my wife like he loves the church, guess what? He gave himself up for the church. There is not a selfish bone in the body of Jesus. Right. Everything was surrendered. He's denied himself. And what I'm saying, I'm not saying, Let me. this is where I have to clear it up. Jesus is not making a statement rather yourself or your dreams or your plans or your agenda is bad. Jesus is more about who you're closely associated with. Who's your primary allegiance to? Is it Him or is it this other stuff? Because you can't serve two masters. And it won't serve you. Denying yourself isn't denying yourself to have anything. It's denying those things to have you. You want to know the best way that God can bless a greedy person by giving them nothing. And I and I just felt like and I I just feel free like in this house I can say this, but. And some of you may even be frustrated because you've heard about how God wants to bless you and how He wants to prosper you and how He wants better for you. And this year is going to be your best year. and and, And I agree. I stand with you. But sometimes, the best thing that God could give you is nothing. Because if it is not surrendered, why would He give you more of an idol? And He loves you too much to bless disobedience. If I really love my daughter, I'm not going to encourage her to put her hand on the hot stove. Right? But that's why some of you may even be frustrated. Because you hear God wants to bless you and He does and you're stuck in this job and you can't get up and you can't get ahead and you never have peace with your finances. You never have peace in these other areas of your life. But it's because you haven't denied yourself in those areas. In some cases, you haven't denied yourself in money, and you've eaten what you should have sowed. You've eaten the seed that God gave you to put into the ground. And I'm not, t- this is not a giving message. I love what Greg said. He did a great job. I don't need to repeat anything. And I'm not trying to get you to give more money. I'm trying to get you free. I'm trying to get you free from those things that have been making your decisions for far too long to stop making your decisions. You want to know how if you've denied yourself or not? If those things are making decisions for you. If the number one culprit and what you're going to do next is something other than God said. Y'all didn't come here for this this morning, did you? I'm sorry. <laughs> So how am I going to get frustrated when there's no harvest when I haven't sowed seed? Could you imagine a farmer going out to the field and going, I just can't believe there ain't no corn here. Can y'all believe that? I didn't sow nothing. I'm so mad. I'm so frustrated. You ever met somebody about that? They complain about something that they could very well do something about. It's annoying. Well, why don't you just do this? Well, I don't want to do that. Well, then why would you have it? But some of y'all are sitting here and you don't and, and, and you won't give and all these kinds of things and the most greedy people I know on the planet are broke ones. Denying denying myself is the fact that nothing of myself makes me or breaks me. My plans change? That's okay. This changes? Okay. Money changes? That's okay. I've denied myself so much so to where I don't even have companionship with it. And I'm distancing my allegiance to myself. I no longer serve myself. I take care of myself. I take care of my family. But my allegiance and my lordship is not unto me. No longer knowing myself and my desire, but giving my allegiance to Jesus. And how do I do that? i got to take up my cross. The most popular message of that day was a prosperity message. It was a message that the Messiah was going to come back and overthrow the Roman government and they were going to take over the world like Pinky and the Brain. Four of us know what I'm talking about. That's okay. I'm starting to get to that age now. Where I'm referencing cartoons and kids are like... Anyways, it's two, two mouse, right? Two mice and they're going to take over the world that's what they thought they said oh when the messiah comes, that's why they were so confused because jesus never gave them a a, a blueprint of how they're going to overthrow the roman government in fact jesus comes with the complete opposite message he goes hey instead of overthrowing the government i want you to in this time it was a really obviously this is how the romans would 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 kill but he said if we were to bring it into this time he goes instead of overthrowing the government how about we take up our lethal injection How about we take up our electric chair? And it probably got about as quiet as it did right now. Jesus liked to do that. See, we like to say things to get people in the church, and Jesus said a whole lot of stuff to make people scatter. We're like, hey, donuts, and all those things are great. But Jesus said, hey, come, eat my flesh, drink my blood. One of us has got it right. I don't. So come next week as we eat. (laughs) No. But Jesus comes and He goes, you have to be willing to die. Not just physically, but in other areas of your life as well. You have to be willing to put these things, not just deny them. You can't just put them off, but they have to die. Picking up your cross is you co-signing. And ready to accept whatever would come. You embrace the condition that God has appointed over your life. To drink from whatever cup He would have for you. I wrote down a few notes of what some of the things that Jesus puts to death. Obviously, whenever He's going to the cross, He gave up His life. In that good stuff? I, we could stop right there. Jesus was not... They didn't take Jesus' life. He gave Himself up. He knew good and well what was happening, and he did it anyways. As he was going to the cross, and he gave his life up, but in that process, he put to death his ability to pick and choose who he wants to serve. In serving Judas, he didn't just pick and choose the easy ones. Aren't you glad your leadership does the same? Some of y'all are easy. Some of y'all getting there. As a joke, that's okay. It's all right. Some of y'all are like, maybe I am hard to serve, I don't know. But Jesus gives up His right to be offended when people disowned Him time and time again like someone like named Peter. He didn't walk in offense with that. He gave up His ability, this is a big one. Y'all stick with me on this one. He gave up His ability to be understood. Whenever He was praying in the garden... And he's got these people that have been walking with him. And he tells them what is going to happen. And he's going into the garden. And he's so much turmoil and so much stress that he's sweating blood. And he comes out and his disciples are sleeping. And he comes and he wakes them up once. And he wakes them up twice. And he just gives up the ability because they just don't get it. And if you're going to do this thing for real, you're going to walk with people who may even know Jesus, but they're not going to get it. You're going to be sitting there sweating blood, and you're going to say, "You don't understand the things that God. I I I have to do this," and they're going to be asleep. What do you do? Well, you say, "Well, I can't do it. Nobody understands." No, you do it anyways. Because you, it's okay for you not to be understood. You can't explain spiritual things to carnal minded people. You're not, not everybody's gonna have the same weight as you in every aspect of your life. But you're going to have to get over yourself and under realize that it's okay if you're not understood. He gave up his right to revenge and his ability to overpower situations. Whenever he's confronted by soldiers and Judas brings, and and, and Judas He could, And he says, I could have brought down a legion of angels. Peter, do you really think I need you chopping off people's ears? But what does he do? He goes, I have every single thing that I would need to do to come down and break this whole thing up. But he doesn't. What if you had the power to change your situation, but God told you not to? You're going through something that's so hard and you could do something and it would change it. But God says, no, there's still work to be done here. Imagine the restraint. A lot of us are sitting there and we just don't have the power to change it. Jesus has all the power to change it and He still chooses not to. He gives up His right to justify Himself whenever He goes before the Sanhedrin. Isn't that hard? He gives up His need. This is is another one too. I'm struggling with this. He gives up the need to answer every question. Given to him by the courts. They're asking all these questions and he's just like a lamb. He gives up his last breath. This one blows my mind. He gives up his last breath while being in the position of being fully God. Allowed those that were beating him to breathe. Think about it. He surrenders his last breath while being fully God, gives the ability to the people that are beating him, he lets them breathe. The breath that you're taking right now is because God said, Okay. And Jesus, being there full of power, could have said, No, not him. Anybody. He's fully God and fully man. But while they're ripping flesh out of his back, he's going, Okay, Lord, they can let them keep going. Forgive them. There's so much that Jesus gives up. And I want to tell you this, that if there's no cross, there's no Christianity. If Jesus doesn't go to the cross, we're here, it's pointless. We might as well have slept in. Without the cross, there's no Christianity. And if you're a disciple, <laughs> you're, you have to have your cross. You can't be a disciple without yours. There's no Christianity without the cross, and you're not a disciple without yours. And if you don't have your cross now, you won't be having a crown later. And I'm not here to scare you, I'm here to tell you there's a better way for you. There's a better way for you. I don't want to just have the title, I want to have the function. You got to follow him. We're not commanded to be congregants. We're not commanded to just come in here and fill out membership papers and do all of those things and call to be disciples. Not congregants, not just converts, but somebody who intentionally learns by inquiry. We're not fans, we're followers. I went to a Pelicans game a while back in Salt Lake, and um, I showed up and it was like me and three other Pelicans fans and then a whole bunch of annoying jazz fans. And I had all, I had on some Pelicans gear and everything. You know what was crazy is I was sitting in the stands and I was yelling like the whole thing would be quiet and then Pelicans would score and be like,
0: yeah.
1: And i look around and I was like, I forgot I'm not in New Orleans. But you know what? Whenever they went and the game was over and I think they lost, but anyways, you know who didn't go get on the bus? You know who didn't go to practice? You know who doesn't really, I could know the stats, I could know the coaches, I could know where their moms live, I could know all of these details about the players, but yet there's nothing that I'm doing that's out, that's dictating the outcome of the game. Why? Because I'm a fan. And so when we come in here and we can wear the jersey and we can know the stats and we can have them all memorized, but if we're not learning the playbook, we're not playing with our teammates and we're not doing all these other things, this is not what Jesus died for. Jesus didn't die for us to be a fan of the church. He didn't die for you just to have a title, but to have a function. It's not just a transfer of information. It's by living life with Him that you're transformed. This is why we do all of this. We don't do this to make ourselves feel better. We don't do this stuff so that we can do stuff in other countries. We do this so that people's lives are transformed by the gospel. It's not just to have you informed, but to follow him means to walk the same road, to welcome Jesus into every aspect of your life. In every aspect of your life. So what, how, do I, how do I do that? Because this is all like really cool stuff. How do I practically use it? I remember one time Tia, she must have told me how to drive a couple times. Nobody else in here is a victim of it. I know it's just me. And she probably had a really good reason to tell me. But I just remember one day, she told me, and any time she would tell me how to drive, it would ruin my day. I just, I can't have, woman, let me drive. But I remember one day, she goes, hey, I just, and, and it's not like she's like, hey, slow down, you idiot. Like, I don't know if she could tell me that. She'd have every right to tell me in a lot of areas. But she just, hey, I want you to know the speed limit's 55. Maybe I'm going 65, right? 85. I'm a bullet, no. (laughs) But she tells me, and man, it would just, and what she said did not warrant the response that I gave. It didn't make, it didn't make sense why I was so frustrated for her telling me what the speed limit was, and so I would have to, and this is a very small example, but I would have to bring whatever it was that was aggravating me. Holy Spirit, I don't understand why I'm so frustrated. I don't understand why it makes me so mad whenever she tells me this. Or when this person did that, it made me feel this way. And if you think that you have to come to God and be like, unto thee, Lord. And you got to go straight King James for him to go, what are you saying? You know, you don't. You can come and you can be like, Lord, I am so aggravated right now. I don't know why, but this made me, he's not like, Oh my gosh, she's frustrated. What am I going to do? Do I need to get up? No, he's totally okay and secure in his throne, but you can begin to tell him and have the questions for him and be like, I don't understand why when she said this, I was so frustrated. And then you begin to say, okay, why do I feel this? Why do I, cause you need to know why you're so aggravated because how are you going to deny which you can't define. You have to know what it is so that you can begin to say, Okay, I don't want allegiance to that. If I'm frustrated because of this or because of something that's happened in my past, I want to repent of it, I want to get rid of it, I want to get free from this so that I can walk in a new way, but if I don't know what it is, I can't deny it. But some of us don't do that work, and it's hard and it and it sucks. You die to yourself. And then here's the here's one of the here's the next one. You gotta shut up and listen. You gotta be quiet. Quit trying to self medicate yourself. You gotta be quiet and listen. And then in picking up your cross you're gonna repent for the action and you choke out that reaction of your flesh repent, I'm going to turn a totally different way the way that God has for me and I'm going to walk in a new direction. And you're going to proceed in following Him. This is a big one because we think it's just us and Jesus and we come to church on Sundays. That's not only it. But you're going to find a trusted friend, a mentor, or your spouse, and you're going to get confirmation and accountability in that new direction. This is why it's so important for you to be in the house of God. This is why it's so important for you to spend time with the people of God. Because it's not just you and God. When you come to Jesus, you come to the church. You can't accept Jesus and not accept his bride. They're a package deal. But don't let the bride keep you from the groom. The bride's got flaws, but the groom is well worth it. But if you're going to actually walk this thing out, you're going to need good people around you. Because I don't want just an identity, I want the function. So if I'm going to have the life, the plan, the calling to fulfill the purpose that God has for me, again, there's assembly required. But I want to tell you something. You do not have to assemble a single thing. You don't have to put together anything. You know what the most frustrating part of that dresser or that wardrobe from Ikea was? It wasn't that I spent too much money for a piece of furniture you'd never be able to move. What? You build Ikea furniture where you want it to stay forever. When we move out of this house, that will stay here. Because if you go to move it into the other room, it'll never be straight again. It'll be like this. You go to hang clothes, you'll have to hang clothes to get it to sit level again. It wasn't that. It wasn't that I had to go and get all the pieces, though that was very frustrating. The most aggravating part is that I go and I get it all together. And I go and I had three drawers and I go to put the drawers in, and the drawers didn't work. And come to find out I'm looking, and there's pieces that I don't have. And so what do, what do you do in that scenario? you're looking through the box. You're saying, it fell out. I looked under the bed. I looked in the drawers at nothing. No, you do not go to these drawers unless you're in distress. And so I go through those drawers. I look in the car. I look under. I, I asked a stray dog where it was. I looked everywhere for these pieces and I could not find them. And I said I have to go back to Ikea. This was the most frustrating part is that I paid for everything and now I got to go back to Ikea to get what I paid for. And so then I go back to Ikea and again I'm like looking for somebody like there's got to be a short cut to wardrobe. I'm not walking through kitchen and bedroom and this and that all the way and I'm not stopping to get meatballs again. I just want to get my pieces and get out of here so that my wife can hang up her clothes and I can still figure out how to fold mine. And so finally I find a guy and he takes us in this secret place and we go through the secret underground tunnel and whatever and then we pop up and I get these pieces and I come back and it was so aggravating because I had everything I need but these pieces and I had the receipt and I paid for them but yet I still didn't have the function. And I want to tell you that in that same way that I came back to my receipt with my receipt to IKEA, I didn't have I, I couldn't have the function because not everything was surrendered to me. And some of you are sitting here and you have the title and you know it and you know it very well and you can quote it, but you don't have the function. And it's not because you can't put it together because it's not your job to put it together, but it's your job to surrender all the pieces. It's not your job to make sense of what happened to you. It's not your job to make sense of how this is all going to be into your good. Your job. Is to surrender. You surrender the pieces. I don't know what to do in this situation. I do. He paid for it. It's on the receipt. Philippians one six says that he finishes the work. Let me just. I'm gonna go through a list of scripture. You don't have to pull them up, but I want you to know. Philippians one six says he finishes the work. Romans eight twenty eight says he makes all things. Isaiah sixty four says he's the potter and I'm the clay. And Ephesians two ten says I'm his workmanship. That he's the artist. I'm just the canvas. I'm just near enough so that his brush can paint whatever he wants. And I think that Jesus would begin to speak to some of you even right now in this moment with his receipt. He goes, look, you're trying to make sense of all this stuff and that's not your job. And he's showing you what he's paid for. He's paid for that pain from the divorce. He's paid for your trauma and hurt from being misunderstood and your bitterness and all your past relationships on his receipt. <laughs> it says that he's paid for your agenda, your dreams, your offense, your pride, your convenience, your plans. And it goes for all stages because when you deny yourself and all this sudden, there's not like a one time deal, right? So I've got one that I somewhat put together and maybe cuz we're not all, none of us have it all together. Now all right, Jesus got it all together. But maybe you're a little bit more you got a little bit more together than you used to. And this is still a truck and I still got the pieces but yet I still don't have the function completely. And so you could be here or some of you maybe you're here this morning. And let me see if I can open this. And this is you. You just got all your pieces. You ain't got nothing going on. You got stuff scattered everywhere. I tell you what, I was putting this together yesterday and I had pee- and it looked like it's not that much, but when you open up them bags, I thought I was going to have to get a literal dump truck to come pick the rest of the dump truck up. And some of you are like, man, I got pieces everywhere. You don't understand. That's okay. All I got to do is this. I surrender. I surrender every single piece. And no matter what stage you're in, I don't care, you've been walking with Jesus 30 years, 50 years, 100 years, you still have to deny yourself, you still have to pick up your cross, and you're still to follow Him. Would you guys stand with me? And if you have somebody